0: Troops, we're live, we're back again, it's the Eagle Podcast Um, and I'm very, very fortunate to be joined by uh, a truly uh, inspirational bloke who's done many, many things in his life, Uh, JP from the Professional Edge Project, JP, welcome sir. Thank you, sir, it's an absolute privilege, appreciate you uh, bringing me on. Um, So first of all, uh, a friend of mine, Tom Cockrell, mentioned you to me and said you must check this guy out on Facebook. Um, Go and listen to his podcast, go and listen to the message that he's uh, putting out there. And I was like, yep, straight away, I'm on board with it, Um, which will sort of lead us into our first topic. What is the Professional Edge Project?
1: It's an evolution for a start. So, yeah, it's the end product of a good few years of trying to find my... uh, avenue or a niche, if you like. So I'm a mountaineering instructor by trade. I ran an um, outdoor events business, specializing in charity events for many years. But cool. around 2010 to 2012, after the business was at its peak and doing really well, running 80 odd events, really great reputation, I was giving, 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 serving a bunch of really great causes, a bunch of yeah. Charities that are having great work, you know, getting a lot of fulfillment. But I just ended up burnt out, like completely spent. And as a result, in a pretty, pretty dark place, to be honest, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's very, very interesting looking back at the the, the kind of uh, the warning signs and so on. But anyway, ended up in this pretty awful place for a good few years and, and did what many people do, which is reduce, remove, or let's face it, run away. So I stopped taking on clients. I stopped doing as much work and I stopped, um, you know, doing things for me. So rock climbing, for example, something that defined me, gave me purpose. You know, I didn't have the headspace. Right. The martial arts, you know, teaching the martial arts, sharing information. Another thing that absolutely defined and gave me purpose. I don't have headspace. I'll stop doing it. Work. I mean, work gives us purpose and definition you know and, and those that are out of work or, or find themselves signed off from work you know they're in this real difficult place where they, they lack you know it can really massively affect your, your confidence and you know so I, I just removed myself from this with this whole I don't have enough headspace I can't cope I don't have enough headspace and my wife bless it, what she thought was best and protected me even more when you don't have to work i'm bringing in enough you don't have to just take care of yourself you don't have to but all that happened is my capacity to deal with anything diminished to the point you get triggered by nothing yeah i went from being able to be calm in the chaos being able to manage a dozen different high risk events you know risk management stuff throwing people off buildings dragging them And getting to the point where I was getting triggered if there just wasn't enough milk in the fridge. Wow. You know what I mean? And you're like, and it kind of led me to this question of like, why do we do what we do? Why, why could I do that then, but I can't do that here? You know, I must be broken or whatever it happened to be. But during the process of getting myself out of that, so I had a couple of paradigm shifting moments, you know, that, that, that were wake up calls, if you like. Yeah. But coming out of that, You know, my work shifted into the work that I was doing, shifted into being more technical advisory work. And again, I would be asked questions like, um, JP, can you go and do a refresher course? These guys aren't backing up the ropes. These guys aren't following procedure. And because I was coming out of this hole, I was doing a lot of self-development stuff. I got myself a coach rather than, I'm not one for therapy or counselling. It might work for others. It does not work for me. I wanted stuff. I wanted information. I wanted things I could go and do. Yeah. Right? And I needed a bit more badass accountability. Uh, I didn't need a hug. I needed to kick up the ass. As much as I didn't actually want to kick up the ass, that's yeah. what I wanted. And so I found myself a coach and and also got through myself into answering this question of why do we do what we do? But it also tied in with this work, you know, so my work was like, can you go and tell these people how to back up ropes or follow procedure? And I'm like, they already know how to back it up. If I asked them to deliver me a session on backing up ropes, they could do it. It's not a skill set issue. It's a mindset one. And so I would go down this route of of running mindset sessions on how to, You know why we don't follow procedure. Things like heuristic traps, or the mental shortcuts, or the normalization of deviation, and stuff like that. And I set up this little program inside my business, which was, you know, called "Monkeys Sometimes Fall Out of Trees," which is like, but why do we always make mistakes? We're all capable of making mistakes. Why does it happen? And managers loved that, but of course, uh, (laughs) staff don't want to sit and admit that they're making mistakes. So that was you know enjoyed by or you know welcomed by managers but not welcomed by staff and then i changed that to go okay i just the mistakes we made are down to the decisions we make okay so let's look at it um from a decision making point of view and then that got a bit better buy-in from staff and managers but even then still people were uncomfortable and a kind of a natural evolution really was like well it all boils down to being professional Okay. What can affect our ability to be professional? We all want to be regarded as professional. What the hell does that mean? We all, it's not just being paid because we all know people that we've worked with that get paid, but are not professional. And we've also worked with a bunch of people I bet who don't get paid and exude a ton of professional qualities, integrity, punctuality, you know what I mean? Reliability, honesty, all of these things that are not, necessarily skill set based and for me the most proudest days of any of my jobs were when we'd get feedback and go jp you and your team were absolutely incredible you were very professional and that really hit home so i had this little moment probably like 18 months two years ago that looking at how we can repair maintain or protect or enhance our professionalism Mm -hmm. kind of is people are more on board with that we yep. still look at why mistakes happen and we still look at the decisions we make and what causes us to do the things we do. But it comes from a point of view of, yeah, I want to protect my professionalism. I can identify where maybe I'm not as professional as I could be. I was working with some people last week and we were looking at what is professionalism. And he wrote, not Andy. And I'm like, Christ, who the hell's Andy? He went, well, I'm Andy. And I'm like, well, why are you not professional? He went, because I'm always late. And I went, well, therein lies the easiest way. To be able to improve your professionalism. You know, are you late every day? Pretty well. I went, be late, be on time one day this week. You've just automatically, you know, had a, what, 20% increase in professionalism. And then next week, see if you can do it again, maybe two times a week. It's easy and it's tangible. And so that's where we ended up with the Professional Edge Project, which now is a series of workshops, training courses, and so on. And a ton of free content, because it's something I'm really passionate about, you may be able to tell about how we can improve our professionalism. So, we, And our professionalism is about serving other people, right? Maybe it's serving our colleagues, our staff, our clients, but it all comes down to managing our personal effectiveness, our calm, our composure, our capacity, our capability, and our confidence, all the Cs. Because that's where it starts. You know, we can show up at work, but if we then come home and offload on our family, well, that's not... Great. But uh, yeah, it's it's a win-win. If you work on your personal effectiveness, it's a benefit to your professionalism. And, and, you know, the great thing with this is, you know, companies and organisations are paying me to go in and and help them out. And we're helping them on a professional level, but their personal lives will also have a knock-on benefit, you know. And it's all down to this understanding, having a better understanding, sorry, of ourselves and others. Because what that does is increases patience and empathy. Why do I do, you know, we've all said something and gone, why did I say that? Yeah. Why did I do that? Why are they saying that? Why are they doing that? Why aren't they doing that? But we never stop to logically, rationally answer those questions. And so that's what we're doing is just putting a bit of fact and logic behind those things. Do, do you think a lot of people use these
0: sayings, or our, you know, um, or our six key principles, integrity, accountability, professionalism, Do they truly understand what these words mean? They just say, it sounds good, so we'll say it. But instead of saying, but do we actually do this? Um, I said to you before we started the podcast, I, tongue in cheek, call myself the Ron Seal man because I do exactly what it says on the tin 100% of the time. When I offer an event, it's because I have put boots on the ground and I've done that event first. I don't ask people to do things I can't or won't do myself. Yeah. So when I say I'm the Run man, at 100% believe what I'm saying because a month, two months, three months before this event, I was here in December saying, well, this was spicy. Uh, look forward to doing this in March time. And sort of I have a, a a normal job and we've got these six core principles and I sometimes look at them and I laugh because I'm like, we break these every day. like. Yeah. It looks brilliant on the wall, but literally we break them every day. And I truly understand what you're saying there is. Explain to me what professionalism is. You could ask that to 10 different people and I reckon you get the different answer 10 times over.
1: Or they just just kind of look blankly. Yeah. And they'll go, so you can't define professionalism, yet you've just identified that it's really important to you. (laughs) Well, how do you know if you're hitting it? How do you know if you're missing it? because what we do is we just you know one of these first things is you go okay what is professionalism and then you get these blank stares and I go I'll start you off with the first one integrity okay yeah. what's integrity doing what you said you would okay yeah. what about being punctual what's easier is to go okay show me what is unprofessional yeah that's easier because we're just geared up to look for the negative anyway so you can roll out a ton of negative stuff and then we just flip that around and then we go okay circle you know or highlight some of the key qualities that you do have and are really important to you so it might be like um you know I'm always punctual I always do what I said I do I'm courtesy Cur- being courteous is, is is just a core value and it's an important part of being a professional absolutely and then we go okay identify somewhere we could maybe you know there could be some room by mm-hmm. the ones that we're not good at like this dude is punctuality because you go that's great because now you i have got something that's identifiable and it's easy to track you're either on time or you're not yeah 100%. you know but then we can look at why we're not on time and then you know we, we delve into it a bit deeper but one of the core things inside the the project is this idea of going deeper yeah you know what is professionalism one we'll do this thing which is like okay what are the benefits of being professional okay uh better reputation okay yeah. what's the benefit of a better reputation uh, I'm more well-regarded. Well, yeah. But what's the benefit of that? And just going a bit deeper and deeper and deeper until you find, you know, okay, well, if I'm more well-regarded, I might get looked at or given more responsibility. Okay, what's the benefit of more responsibility? More responsibility means um, I might get a pay rise or I might get a promotion. Okay, what's the benefit of a promotion? More money. Okay, what's the benefit of more money? Yeah, yeah, we get to it. It's... Being able to take my family on better holidays. Okay, that's the driving force. And we dial down to try and find what is the driving force. It ain't going to be better reputation for the organization, probably. It's going to be like, if I'm a professional and my reputation is is upheld and and so on, i Demonstrate all of these qualities. The benefit is ultimately I get to take my family on better holidays That's the motivator and it's trying to come away from these short-term things. It's like saying organizations don't stick up, you know Integrity professionalism. This is all important to us, but there's no buy-in from the staff It's just throw away words, but it's being able to then sell that better or dial it down to see what is personally important because mm-hmm. there'll be things for you. The reason you are the Seal man is there are certain aspects yeah. that are personally very, very important to you. And what that means to be the person that does yeah. what they, they do. And it can provide huge leverage if you dial down to that level and figure out why you do what you do. Yeah. People don't do it for money no you, um you know having a stack of money sat next to you does nothing it's what you do with the money and the experience that gives you and the feeling that gives you that's the end product yeah sometimes you can get that end product that feeling without necessarily the money which is the kind of cool thing but
0: you're talking there about money all people do with money is buy stuff like or it just depends on what level you're buying the stuff at. are you buying um Sainsbury stuff, are you buying um, Waitrose stuff, or, you, or is your stuff coming from Aldi? It just, the level of money you get is is, is equivalent to stuff, um, and I'm not really into stuff. Uh, I suppose for me, reputation is, we sometimes we crave it, we crave um, nice words from people who we don't know, mm, totally. and I often sometimes wonder about that now, and this will lead us in nicely because I wanted to talk to you about social media and how actually it is changing the way human beings it's almost rewiring us because we crave attention from people who we don't know oh
1: absolutely like, i know <laughs> what's your take on it well <laughs> it just makes no sense does it but we have this inbuilt i mean a big part of what we do is is we talk about um you know, different parts of the brain and different psychological drivers, okay, inbuilt genealogical, you know, genetic makeup of our, of our psychology. And we have this drive for our physical safety. Okay. You know, that freeze fight flight kind of um, syndrome, but from the same part of the brain, the second, once our physical needs have been taken care of, our next most important driver is our psychological needs or our emotional needs, our emotional protection, and that's got links to um, status, acceptance, and being valued.
0: Because if you imagine
1: back in the day, you know, in the, in the, the wolf pack or the yeah yeah uh, chimp troop, yeah, where we are status wise will determine whether we mate or whether we eat first or second. Wow. Yeah, that's you know true. what I mean. Yeah, it's it, yeah, these things are massively inbuilt. And the way that, you know, is, is held out these days is, like I say, is, is trying to find our status and comparing ourselves with other people online, you know, comparing our real lives with other people's projected lives. And like I say, this this need for acceptance, often from people that you don't know. Mm. But it can be a, a kind of a real vortex, a black hole that it has and will continue to cause people a lot of stress. Uh, the little dopamine hits you get, and I, I, you know, I've been sucked into that, and you yeah. still do sometimes, and you go, oh, look, I've had a bunch of likes, or I've had a bunch of this, or however many listens to your podcast makes you feel quite good. But then you're like, oh, that's interesting. Am I attaching my self-worth to how many likes I do or don't have? And all too often, we'll, we will attach our self-worth to the opinions of other people but that's like handing your mm. happiness, your self-worth over to somebody else. And if, it, if they don't take care of it, you're left with not a lot. It's far better to, to find self-worth in yourself, mm. understand you go, hold on, I am good enough because here's the evidence. I don't need these people that I don't know to value me. It's nice, it's a bonus for sure, and I know where that comes from. Mm but i also know that i don't necessarily need it i've 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 seen this and i've, and I've heard it as well
0: at the moment um, instagram in certain parts of the world are, are removing um, the visual likes so you cannot nice. so you as the admin you as the page creator you can see your analytics behind the scenes but people just viewing your page will not be able to see post got 300 likes 35 comments yeah, interesting and I think that is absolutely brilliant because then you are being judged on the message that you're putting out and um and whatever image or whatever story you're trying to tell. And and what I try and do with some of my stuff is um sort of three or four paragraphs down, I'll try and put something random in there and I'm seeing who's really taken notice and yeah. you know and or I'll put the location as somewhere bizarre and someone will go he's not, he's not in the Eagles nest in Australia. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it's yeah. who's really, sure that they've read it. <laughs> yeah, making sure that people have read it or I'll, or I'll thank someone without adding them. Do you know what I mean? So the, yeah. it, it's little things like that, but I think it's a great thing what Instagram are doing. And I do believe it should come in across the board because I, I ask people now, like friends of mine who are in like a online community, what is it like? Does likes pay the mortgage? Do likes improve you or disprove you as a human being? What is this little four-letter word with a thumbs up that all of a sudden is completely either breaking people's psyche or yeah. creating new psyches? It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, what sort of, uh, with the businesses you work for, um, how did he find you? Is
1: it through social media? Is it word of mouth? It's mostly, at the moment, kind of old-school word of mouth um uh the first few kind of workshops and jobs that i did were through my outdoor network yeah yeah so outdoor um centers yeah so mostly that are being quite proactive in you know protecting the professionalism that are inside their team so that's been really nice to see that these guys are going my team isn't broken they're a good team but i want to make sure they stay that way you know we've got a busy season coming up You know, things are changing. I want to, you know, the work you're doing resonates and I want to bring you in and, you know, give them some skills to help protect that, which is really nice. Um, But a lot of other stuff is I'm also moving into um, the fundraising sector and helping fundraisers because you think that just because they're in the fundraising sector Mm. doing great work for great people that they don't get stressed. They have got almost more pressures because of yeah. the massive impact that their work potentially has. Yeah, They all have targets. They all have this measuring forwards kind of mentality, always looking forward, looking forward. My wife is a, a fundraising consultant. She's been in the fundraising sector for a couple of decades. So that's, yeah. it was the natural direction to go to try and find people that I could help. You know, and my, my little current mission is to, help those suffering or dealing with the negative effects of working hard to have a positive impact. You know, it it seems you've got people that are just trying to literally save puppies, save the planet, save people, and do all these incredible work for all these incredible causes, but they're getting signed off sick with stress or they're, you know, up against imposter syndrome. I did a talk last week on imposter syndrome. I did a talk. um, What's I've not heard of that. What's that? What were they don't feel like they belong, Right. they're not good enough. Okay. You know, these, these self-doubts that come in and go like, certainly when they're leveling up, you know, right. I've got this new target or I've just taken on this new role and responsibility, I'm not good enough, I can't do this. And they get into this kind of self-sabotage loop or they procrastinate around it. But this um, concept that any results they do get was luck and nothing down to them, or if they do do something successful, they deny any, yeah, it was just one of those things. It was nothing mm-hmm. do to me. It's not being humble. They're almost, like I say, they're, they're being very harsh and negative rather than just going, mm-hmm. no, I did the work. It was as it was supposed to be and away we go. Mm-hmm. But it can be quite um, a common uh, narrative inside the fundraising sector. As is overwhelm and the effects that has on productivity. You know, so much on, so much to do. Um, you know, or they don't have the productivity skills, which means they get overwhelmed or they're really overwhelmed. So they are unable to implement their productivity skills. So there's a couple of those areas that I'm, you know, delivering workshops on and doing stuff for them at the moment, which is kind of cool and interesting, but most of it's through either networking and trying to get in front of people and deliver talks yeah. I always have this thing, even when I was back delivering events, and you're trying to negotiate via email with mm-hmm. a, a venue owner to try and use their building to, you know, upsell off of or run yeah, a sale yeah. off of. And I always have this thing, is like, get me a meeting. You know, let's get rid of this email, get me in front of them, get me a meeting, and then we'll go from there. Because the number of times you... You know, I'd, I'd sit in a room with somebody, I'd be able to address their concerns, understand what they were worried about, and basically just kick the ass out of those concerns. And you can just, that, that thing of being in front of people, you can just build no like, and trust that much quicker. So that's what I've been trying to do. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Get, you know, get three feet, in, three
0: feet in front of someone, and then you can sort of work each other out, can't you? And then all of a sudden, it, it becomes very, very straightforward. Um it's almost like the two wills will align and then the deal will get done. But I don't like this slow time, send someone an email and send. That seems to be the go-to answer now. Like, yeah. have we done this? I've sent an email.
1: That, that's not the answer. Like, All too often we'll hide behind emails and just go, yeah. just pick the damn phone. And then you look at your emails and you go, look, I've got 35 emails. And you go, you could have just got that down to two if you just picked up the phone. You I- know, and... <laughs> Yeah, it,
0: it blows my mind. So, someone asked me to do them an, and an, was interested in doing an event and, and basically wanted to have like a conversation via Instagram Messenger. And I was just like, <laughs> look, it's, it, it's, too, it's too deep. So I'll tell you what we'll do. You tell me the best time to phone you, and I'll phone you and have a conversation. Yeah. And then they just come up with like excuse after excuse after excuse. And I was just like, that's not how I work. If we yeah. can't have an initial conversation about an event, then further down the line, if there's problems or there's an issue, we'll never be able to talk. So therefore, there can never be a working relationship. So, a natural disqualifier, isn't it? You
1: know, yeah. You up
0: conversation. I'm done. I'm, I'm 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 out of here. And then the person lives like this life on Instagram. I'm like, and I see it now, and I'm like, you wouldn't even have a conversation with me, and you portray this like super warrior image online. And I'm like, well, okay. Then there's, you know, there's definitely, there's, there's the, the two sides to this, but I, I find the people who say stuff like I've sent an email or I've told so-and-so I just like, just a, it's just a cop out, isn't it? But I've not, I've not heard of that. Um, say that again, what syndrome is it? What, what's the it cop? Imposter
1: called? syndrome. <laughs> I love it. The imposter syndrome. feel like girl. they just don't belong, that they don't deserve it. But you go, you know, you look at the evidence, you go, you wouldn't have got this job unless you put the work in. You wouldn't have, or they feel like they're going to be found out that they shouldn't be there. I mean, Mm. I've experienced that as well. You think, oh, my God, what am I doing here? I'm a stranger in a strange world. Should I be here? And it's just interesting, you know, so we'll cover things like that and look at where that comes from. Mm. Again, it's this part of the brain that wants to emotionally protect us because it will emotionally protect us by stopping us. What it doesn't like is change. Okay? It, doesn't, it, it likes comfort, ease, convenience, mm. soon, certain, and safe. And any time you're having to level up or step up or, you know, grow or step into a new role, that is change. That yeah, is uncertainty. Yeah. There is risk emotionally as to what if I don't go do it well? What if I fail? What if this? Oh, I know what, let's not do it at all. Let's just stay where we are. Mm. And it can be a real paralyzing thing for, for some people that, concept and again it comes down to their beliefs and the, the meaning that they're attaching to that particular situation and you know we just cover and go well let's see if we can attach different meanings to it
0: you know? i don't know i don't know fully your background jp but you've sort of got a bit of, bit of a military twang about the way you talk <laughs> is have you come from somewhere military
1: no i've had that alone so oh, okay i've had <laughs> that alone not know why i've yeah. had almost to the point where people like when i say no they look at me with like a knowing wink Go, yeah <laughs> yeah go no worries mate i know what you mean i know what you oh, mean just uh, in the house of mates with blanked out eyes <laughs> yeah yeah blurred faces you know i
0: just know picked that. up on a few things i said in the conversation i'm like oh have i done enough research was it yes. was there like a, a section somewhere in the earlier life where you were no. in the forces but um get that a lot no it's no it's 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 good but sort of one thing that resonates with me is, and I'll always remember this, when I did a, obviously I'm ex-army, but um, I did a leadership cadre and it was a case of going from a junior rank to a a Lance Corporal Lance bombardier. I remember the course officer saying to me, are you an Indian or are you a chief? Because at the moment, all you seem to be is a good Indian and there's a difference between being a good Indian and being a chief. And it's always sort of, resonated with me like oh yeah okay and then once you sort of step into management or you do start running events or you do start leading stuff like obviously you're quite naturally a chief there's no there's no getting away from that but do you ever see that in the workplace when you go into these places you would be like oh i think you know you you see who the chiefs are straight away and you see who
1: the indians are there's a common theme at the moment both in the outdoor world but also in I've been doing some stuff. I did some workshops for a utilities company a couple of weeks ago. Um, again, very stressed out. Bunch of people, good, good bunch of people just trying to work hard to do what they got to do, but also in the um, fundraising sector. And this common theme is that you'll get people that are good at their job. They're damn good Indians, right? Yeah. They're exceptionally good at their job. And yeah. so the natural thing is to go, Ooh, you can be a manager. And then all of a sudden, they go from being really good Indians to being not very good Chiefs. Yeah, or there's no training. One person, one manager I spoke to said, The only management training we've got is how to discipline somebody <laughs> to the point to get rid of them. Like, That's it. And so, what you end up with are managers who, arguably through no fault of their own, have had no training or preparation in managing the team. And they're managing people that are doing the job they used to do. And so the natural response is to micromanage and go in and do it. Mm. And then all that's going to do is step on toes or proverbials and just annoy people. The the, leader is about being able to step back, give ownership, set boundaries, and, and so on. But if you don't have that training or that inclination, that can be really hard.
0: You know, sometimes I... I've set out on my journey business. And when I say to people, um, for example, um, I'm just in the process of getting a new website built. Now, one thing for me is when I say to someone, bake me a cake, all I want to be involved in is the initial order and then the eating. I don't want to be involved in this bit here. And when I say to people, I'd like a website, all right what would you like it to do would you would you like this would you like that look look dude if you if you if you're telling me you are the man then say brilliant see you in 4 weeks time get ready to be get ready to be impressed oh wow and there's too much of that going on at the moment there's too many people who are claiming to be whatever and, and again you put too much on them and then they don't deliver and it's like right is this my fault or is it their fault because somewhere in the middle of it um yeah. And sort of one thing, and it's a bit of a tongue in cheek saying, but sometimes I call people alley cats. And what I mean by that is an alley cat is only driven by their own sort of, they want to come round, they want to get their belly tickled, they want to get fed, but they're an alley cat. So you can never expect too much from them because that's how they're hard wired. And if you try and give them too many tasks or too much loyalty, they'll never show you the same back. So, I have started saying like uh, in my own mind, yeah, it's not his fault. He's an alley cat, but that's that's fine because I now understand
1: yeah.
0: wh- where my worth is with that person. So, you know, if I need an alley cat, I know where to find one. Yeah. But if I'm looking for something a bit better, then it's it's these are the little key things in business, isn't it? That you have to sort of that you have to sort of pick through. Um, we've sort of touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to talk about why you left. Um, your mountaineering lifestyle. Was there anything in particular that you just fell out of love with and thought I need to go in a different direction?
1: Partly. I kind of had this little realize I was ended up in a place where I didn't really, you know, I was in London working, yeah. you know, doing a lot of kind of technical advisory stuff in London and teaching a lot of climbing instructor award courses um, in London. And I just had this thing to go Why am I in London? Yeah, you know I'm, I'm driving I'm driving loads I'm not out in the mountains you know I live in Bristol or you know they trying to get climbing clients they're few and far between very weather dependent trying to get any sort of steady money men doing these climbing wall jobs or doing this technical advisory stuff but you just sat or stood you know and I, I, I delivered some hoofing courses I was really pleased with the courses I was able to deliver you know um but with some of the other stuff that I was doing, the high rope stuff, yeah. very repetitive, quite boring. And it was also kind of part or parcel of this remove, reduce, runaway thing. Yeah. Whereas I kind of fell out of love with climbing, kind of attached some meanings to it. You know, that I'm not very good. I can't be good enough. I'm not good enough. And, you know, these things, I'm not good enough. I didn't set the standard as to how good I expected myself to be. So therefore, how the hell am I going to? Get to it, you know, this throwaway. Come on, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's good enough? Never bothered answering that, you know, and just removed and removed. So I ended up just working a, a couple of different people, you know, again, being protected by my wife um, from the need to work, just doing a couple of, you know, working on a couple of different contracts, but they were very repetitive mm. and quite boring. And I just had this thing going, I am not happy what is the point? And then the idea of like, you know, trying to, to, to build back up into this other area. But during that time, it was when this, you know, the mindset skills yeah, yeah. Stuff was coming yeah. about, this normalization of deviation, all of these things are coming out. And I was like, you know what, this, this is really interesting. This is where potentially I can have an impact. This really floats my boat. And, you know, talking with people and being able to see that, kind of little light bulbs pop up in their eyes when you start talking about these things. And yeah, so it was more of an evolution. And I then, you know, didn't climb for a good few years, didn't instruct for a few years and then for whatever reason, went climbing with some people and then just found the love for climbing again. I'm like, you know what? I don't, I know there are some people who climb pretty well and teach full time. They still love it. They get a lot from it. But for me, It was like, I want to pull back from that and take climbing back for myself. Yeah. The capacity increase in activity doesn't get much better. You know, that and the martial arts, you know, focus physically, mentally, um, cause a lot from you, tests you. And I mean, you know what? I'm just going to pull it back for myself and just go climbing myself. And, um, you know, there'll be certain jobs that I will still do. Um, Every year there's a children in need country file ramble. Right. For the past four years, I think this will be the fifth, um, I've been employed on those to go and look after the film crew. Nice. You know, nice because it's me and just a couple of other guys that constantly work on that. So we did North Wales, Lake District, Dartmoor. Last year was the Isle of Skye. Oh, lovely. Um, and it's usually, you know, you've got film crew, you've got a service user of a Children in Need charity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, usually a, a young person with an incredible backstory who's come through some incredible difficulties. And so just to be able to facilitate and be around that and, and you know, see how that can kind of um, or be part of that and help that event go off is, is hugely rewarding. So there's potentially another one of those in October. So that's how I keep my hand in a little bit. And just again, teaching people, friends and family that I want to teach. But taking time yeah. back for myself. That's, uh, that's martial I'm still teaching you know, yeah. uh, so I've set up another martial arts club four months ago here in Port Said after again not teaching for a few years. Which martial arts do you teach? So it's the technical name for it is Budotai Jitsu, but it's most commonly known as ninjitsu. Right. Um, so it's basically ninja and samurai arts, but without the wow. connotations and beliefs of what you think that's going to be. Yeah. Basically, a 2,000 year old Japanese martial art, if you like. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: It's uh, it's it's great. And um, I'm very, very lucky that uh, my partner's dad um, is big into Muay Thai and mm-hmm. has a really successful Muay Thai uh, camp in the, in the northeast, but also has links into Thailand and, and yeah, flies yeah, yeah. to Thailand a few times a year and trains out there. And um, he's lived and died by that all of his life. And he's Literally an expert.
1: And, Those are some seriously now as boys and girls.
0: Yeah, um, we could probably do with a lot more people getting involved in sort of um, structured – because it doesn't just give you martial arts. As human beings, we've always needed community. We've always – somewhere along the line, community has always played a key. And right. like, I say to people all the time, I, I don't sell walking trips. What I'm basically selling here is a community of like-minded people who enjoy Going into deep water with sharks and then coming back out and saying that was fun. When yeah. when are we going again? Do you
1: know what I mean? Like that's you know I don't. Say shared, it, I don't want to use the word extreme, but that yeah kind of shared tough experience. Yeah, build stronger communities. And the thing is, if we go back to what we were talking about earlier about yeah. social media, it's this virtual, yeah, fluffy community of <laughs> people that we do or don't know, or we are in this group, but it's very superfluous and there's no deep meaning there. But like I say when you're out walking, when you're climbing with certain people, when you're training in the martial arts and there's this communal overcoming of adversity. Yeah, absolutely. That's where morale comes from. Morale has got nothing to do with happiness. No. The overcoming of adversity. That's what builds, you know, people, partnerships, teams. Um, But obviously you've got to choose to do it, which is why. Yeah. uh, You you will never
0: develop in comfortable environments that's not it's not possible if anyone's worth anything and you can use a boxer, you can use a Formula One driver, whatever you want to use it on. Um, you have to have adversity to find out where you lie in, in, yeah. in this skill. Um, and I, and I say, and I mess around all the time and say to people, uh, you know, accountability, but it is, it is true. Like it, you do need that. Is it going to be hard to do? Oh, 100% and, you know, that's that's what it's all about. Um we're absolutely flying through this, uh, JP. So I'll tell you what we'll do is um moving on to my favorite part of the show. We're gonna move into the five watts. Mm. Um so uh, the first one is what's the greatest advice you've been given?
1: Tough one this. So much. So much. But I So I've got two bits really.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: One is something that stuck with me ever since I first read it and that's the kind of going back to my martial arts if you like but it's the nine rules of Miyamoto Musashi which are in my bathroom constantly Right. So like, think of what is right and true practice and cultivate the science become acquainted with the arts know the principles of the crafts this one particularly understands the harm and benefit in everything learn to see everything accurately uh, become aware of what is not obvious. Be careful, even in small matters, and don't do anything useless. <laughs> now, this is uh, wisdom from a you know, a badass samurai from back in the whatever, 13th century.
0: Yeah, wow, what a guy.
1: <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You just go, yeah, still true. You know, still true now. And that's what I'll have to do. You go, don't do anything useless. Is this worth my time? Is this worth, you know, am I getting sidetracked? And have I got mission creep here? Am I getting yeah? S- stuff that you know isn't worth doing
0: um, you talk about that so, yeah, the 13th um when would it be in the 1300s i think the 13th century 13th, yeah 13th century uh, but um very medieval right up until 1700s yeah still. but the but people still read the art of war now or oh, the yeah. translated version like the art of yeah. war is still like have you read the, yeah. the people said to me have you have you ever read the art of war like like obviously the, the translated or, or the audio version but yeah. if you listen to it it may be someone talking about how to win a battle but that could be translated into how yeah. to do well in relationships how to do well in life in business in all three it's you can apply it to everything it's still relevant is what yeah. I'm saying is it's still relevant now isn't well, it it's amusing
1: it's like you know a lot of this stuff will come around like the, the work from the Stoics from Marcus Aurelius or the Greeks or whatever yeah. and you go this stuff's been around for thousands of years, and it's like, you thought we'd have learnt this by now. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'd have thought that it's not supposed to be easy. We'd have thought that these yeah. are things that, you know, aren't always going to serve us. That, no, that's okay. fair
0: enough. Uh, moving on to the second what. What's on your bucket list? So either personal or business or? Uh,
1: really, mostly personal stuff on the old bucket list. Uh, UK and European motorbike road trips always nice. to do that family and personal climbing trips to Yosemite National Park been there a few yes. times but not with the family and the climbing trip didn't go so well uh, nice. mostly that kind of stuff yeah cool mostly that.
0: For, cool uh third what? this is always a good one yeah uh,
1: what's uh, what's your toughest day so that was a very easy one, but jumped straight to mind, which is very interesting as opposed to the next question, which took yes. a lot more thought. <laughs> this was 2010, uh, near the end of the busiest period and the end of this massive bunch of events we did. We got an incredible opportunity to rig a zip slide across the Avon Gorge in Bristol. Wow. And we're talking about 230 foot up, a 230, 60 meter zip slide across the road across the river Avon. now closing the road wasn't necessarily an issue but you can never close the river mm. and you know we had full sign up so i never put as much preparation into an event as i did that event mm-hmm. and for all previous events no matter how they went or, or rather no matter what happened we always pulled them off okay whatever it was, we were always very good. Me and I had an incredible team. Uh, we always managed to pull them off, okay? Weather comes in, we'll pause it, okay, we'll yeah. shift things, always pulled it off. This day, I made a few mistakes. I made it too safe, put right. two safety systems in, so it was slow, yeah. I said we could get down too many people. Yeah. We had too many delays, small things, this small marginal losses. That massively stacked up, and instead yeah. of like 120 people down, we got like 35. A lot of really upset people, yeah. As you imagine none more so than me, yeah. In terms of always doing what you said you did, that's yeah. up until that point we did, and yeah. no amount of my ingenuity, problem solving, crazy amount of work or preparation could get that day done mm. so. A lot of useful lessons for sure have come out of it, but it's the one time when I didn't deliver what I said I was going to deliver. And hurt and still does, still do a lot of work on that. <laughs> wow. That crops up. I mean, two weeks later we went and delivered an amazing event, the first ab sale out of the roof of the O2 Arena.
0: 180
1: yeah. people, all perfect, amazing, loads of great comments from the venue and so on. Just two weeks later. Yeah. But that that really took it out of us. That was it. Fair that's enough, yeah. Wow, that's
0: very, very honest of you. Um, fourth what? What's been your happiest day?
1: Apart from wedding day and birthday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> usual stuff. Yeah. Uh, again, that was a little interesting one. Not that I couldn't think of I had lots, but trying to dial it down was quite tricky. Possibly another event that we did, probably two years ago, I think it was now, it was a night climb. Again, a charity event. Nice. Um So we did a 200-foot climb at night with two CEOs. So it was dark. We climbed this route, multi-section, multi-pitch route um, at night, and then stuck them in a portal edge for the rest of the night. So we climbed for like two, three hours, got to this portal edge just after midnight, stuck them in that portal edge. Um, And then in the morning, the cool thing was, the whole name of this event series was Dawn Chasers. At dawn, we unzipped the tent. And they look out, and for the first time, they see where they are. Yeah. And then we kick them out and abseil them down 200 foot, and away we go. But that raised 35 grand in one night wow. for um, the charity, which was kind of cool. Again, a ton of preparation and work, and I took a bunch of lessons from mm. you know, from the past and made sure that yeah, we yeah. practiced and practiced. And it was a lot easier to practice because of the venue and so on. Um, but, yeah, that was a very... Cool event, lots of contingency plans. You know, how do you get two very important CEOs off a of the middle of the night if it starts raining or one of them starts freaking out? You know, so it was um, yeah, that was a very very fulfilling day for sure.
0: Well, wow, that's that's uh, that's class. I, I could just imagine when you unzip the tent, uh, the park legend, and they either look down or they look down yeah. and were like, wow. Yeah, that's the point. It's that that
1: reveal in the morning, you're like, holy. Yeah, <laughs> they have no idea. They haven't seen the venue. They haven't seen the cliff. They walk in in the dark, or they're training at yeah. a different venue. So uh, yeah, yeah, very cool event. Fair enough. No. Yeah. Uh, final. What? Uh, what's next? What's next? <sighs> Tons of stuff. We're always one. Me and the wife for trying to cram in a ton of stuff. Um, so for me, from a business point of view, I've got like a online training course. Yeah, in September which is an overwhelming productivity one because they're two sides of the same coin, really. Um, and then that's going to be laying the groundwork for a six-month coaching program I want to start later in the year. Um, cool. Just, again, my aim this year is to speak in front of more people, help more people, provide more courses of a better quality. So just kind of level up across the board. Yeah. Um, and one of the easiest ways to do that is via online stuff you know using the technology that we've got but equally then also balancing that out with going and doing talks you know primarily any opportunity I can get I was over in delivering to 25 people at the bath fundraisers group last week um, you know so just that whole thing of getting in front of people and doing that but then you know it's, certainly with overwhelming productivity people don't have the time to take a day out or two days out to go on a workshop mm-hmm. So the online format, you know, of an hour, hour and a half, the beginning of the week, set some stuff in place, have some accountability and some tracking, some, you know, be able to support and guide people during the process for that four yeah. weeks um, should work quite nicely. So that's what I've got kind of up for. So then I can kind of open things up nationally maybe and just uh, see if I can help some more people.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. JP, where can people find you on social media, websites,
1: etc.? go for it? Facebook, at ProEdgeProject, um, website, www.professional-edge-project.co.uk, I like a hyphen, Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm on LinkedIn, just search JP Edgington, I'm on there as well. I've got my little podcast, which is Pep Talk, P.E.P. E. P. Talk, as in Professional Edge Project Talk, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of going all right, we've well, got 28 episodes now, so that's kind of cool. Brilliant, that's no, good. Um, stuff. Just little kind of thought provokers, 15, 20 minute type stuff. One yeah. of the most popular is my toaster, doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, it's, uh,
0: um, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's been absolutely fantastic to have JP on the podcast. Um really appreciate it, man, really do. Thanks. Yeah, for it's, there's been some absolute diamond stuff um, dropped today on the podcast. And it's going to be one of those sort of ones I'm going to have to listen back to and maybe just write a few notes, but you know, there'll be something in there for you. Um, when you, wherever you're listening, in the gym, doing the big clean, thinking about your next move, whatever it may be. Um, a few things that I wrote down, reduce, remove and run away. That's fantastic. And uh, even monkeys fall from trees, which is, uh, you know, you can, you can put that to yourself, no problem. Um, so that's sort of it for this week's podcast. But next week, um, I'm again going to be joined from a friend of mine, Mark James. Mark runs Mad Dog Adventures. And we're going to be talking about his upcoming jungle expedition with clients, which um, takes adventure to a whole new level. So I look forward to that. JP, sir, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: No, thank you, sir. I really do appreciate it.
0: So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks very much. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers.